Welcome to Second Chances with Christy Bell's podcast. I'm your host, Christy Bell's. Enjoy our array of talented, open-hearted guests and their thoughtfully curated stories of second chances, life-changing choices, and new perspectives. We are here to empower you on second chances in your life. Well, I cannot be more excited. I get to be blessed with some remarkable women in my life, many, in fact. And I just happened to meet this lovely woman across the pond in the lovely country of Australia. And actually, I met her on a Greece trip first. And the first time I met her, I remember sitting on a bench with her and we just hit it off. And one of the first things we talked about was this concept of aging as she's moving into her 80s and how important and relevant that age group is for me personally, because I have so many wonderful women in my life who are in and around 80, but for also other women in this age group to hear what other women are doing. And that is my passion is to share the stories of women doing incredible things, no matter how old they are, and to share their wisdom. So this segment of my podcast is called Sage Wisdom. And I'm so delighted to have Chrissy Gillies with me today. Welcome, Chrissy. Hello. I'm delighted to be here, Chrissy. And wonderful to be talking with you. I love being with you. You are one of my favorite people on the planet, literally. I've been with you in Greece. We've been together in Australia. I get to see you when you come here in Denver. It's just always a delight. So, Chrissy, one of the things that I am really passionate about, and I've been blessed my whole life, my whole adult life, to have women who were older than me. And I have friendships that spanned 20 years or 30 years younger than me, clear up to 80 and 90 year olds in my life. And every one of the women in my life brings such great wisdom. And as I started in the introduction, when I sat down with you on the park bench, I think we were at the Acropolis and we started talking, this whole concept of 80 came up. Do you remember that conversation? I remember that conversation. I remember it clearly. We were almost the first people up on the Acropolis, weren't we? Yes, we got it right, which made it <laughs> easier. One of the benefits of turning, getting close to 80, they put you in the lift and take you up without having to walk. <laughs> <laughs> that is a penny. <laughs> that is a penny. Although you walked everywhere we went. You totally blew me away. <laughs> Yeah, so I I want you to share a little bit about you. You have an amazing story. I've, you've, you've shared it with me. And talk about your professional development over the years and all the amazing, fun, crazy stuff that you've done and the remarkable work that you're going to do. And then we'll, we'll take a break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about some sage women that you have. That I'm very excited about. I call it the six C's you've created for being in your 80s. So to share with us, Chris. Christy, just a little bit about your story. Where'd you come from? How did you get to where you are today? Oh, okay. I'll start at the very beginning. I was actually born in the UK, working class English. We came out to Australia in 1951 because my father wanted us to have a better life, which I will be eternally grateful to him for. But I had two older brothers. And think about it, my mother was born in 1905. So We were of an era where the boys had to go to university and I was the girl and I didn't have to go to university. I would get married and somebody would keep me 
in the manner to which I would be like to be accustomed. That didn't really happen. So I'll look at my life in a, and describe it in a set of turning points. So yeah. the, the first turning point in my life was I was married at 19. I did what mum expected, I guess. I got married, but I had two children by the time I was 22. But the other thing is I had started work and I started work accidentally at the very beginning of the computer industry, BC, before computers. So by the time I was 26, I was divorced. And really my whole focus was not really on career. It was how do I earn enough money to send my children to the very best schools and to make sure that they have this wonderful education that I probably didn't have. And I must say a degree was, you know, it was such a big fuss in the house about the boys had to get university degrees that I felt quite inferior because I didn't have a degree. Uh You and I share that in common, right? I write about that in my book that I didn't go to college out of high school and so forever I felt this shame about that, like I'm not going to the university. Yep. I really understand that, Christy. In Australia, well, you have them here, the Jesuits. I ended up by they the Jesuits, a college, Xavier College, bought a computer from the place I was working, and they actually asked me to go and work there. So I went and worked with the Jesuits for 10 years. I mean, the universe was really looking after me. I did ask them whether, in fact, actually they could handle having a divorced Protestant who probably actually (laughs) slept with people when I wasn't married. (laughs) But I wrote all of their systems. I wrote their accounting systems, and I ended up there as the acting bursa. And so the next really big decisive changing point in my life was I was reaching the grand age of 40, and I was going, am I going to end up by being a little grey-haired old lady at Xavier College or am I going to go out back into the big wide world and see where I get? Now, children by then are teenagers. So mm-hmm. I decided to go back in the big wide world. And really, I discovered about snakes and ladders. I had to go down from being in quite a management position to I went back as a systems analyst. And, and within six months, I'd actually worked my way up to managing the department I joined. Mm-hmm. And I really I really discovered that I was very good at um, managing left brain um, technical technical guys, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, and really that was the next phase of my life began um, in, in that consulting world. And once again, I was invited to join a French-Canadian firm because I understood about banks and interchange and settlement and all the computers that sat in behind all of that. Um, and I joined a consulting firm and and there, interestingly enough, um, they were looking for a new leader of the Victorian arm of this company and everybody was bitching about them bringing somebody else from Canada and I said, why don't we stop bitching and go with a solution about who we think should be the leader mm-hmm. and who we want. And so we got together and we looked at all of the options, looked at everybody, and and my colleagues decided that I would be the best person to run the practice because, in fact, actually I had the best accounting knowledge, which I'd actually learned 
by running three different schools at Xavier College along with everything else. So um, it was really, it was an amazing thing to be elected to leadership that people, um, and, and, and really very humbling. But, um, and so life was, you know, really going quite well. And um, then came a curved ball for me. I woke up, I woke up one day and I couldn't see out of my left eye and, and I, my legs had gone numb and I couldn't, I was starting to not be able to walk properly. And um, anyhow, so number of tests ultimately and waiting, I found out I had multiple sclerosis. And um, that was really big thing that happened because I, if I went into the office and said, as the leader, I've got multiple sclerosis immediately, they would look at me as going to be disabled. Mm-hmm. So another huge decision I made in my life was I didn't want MS to define me in any way. I wanted to define how I was going to deal with MS and it was not going to take control of me. So that was a really big thing. So I didn't tell anyone. And if, if something went wrong um, and I couldn't, I'd say a skiing accident, um, you know, and and make so much choose, but um, it was it it, it probably um, was good because then I actually took charge of my body and did an enormous amount of work on training muscle memory where I'd lost um, nerve connection. Uh-huh. So, and then onward and upward, um, I went into um, leading some. Extraordinarily big change programs, changing um, the way IT operated at one of the big banks in Australia, the ANZ Bank, um, and um, running a thousand people, really big change program, very successful. And but that the going back one, it was another turning point in my life because that deep down feeling of self worth. Um, Mm-hmm. I had no tertiary education, um, no degree, and everybody else seemed to have at least one or two. Um, and somehow I, I had that inferior feeling. Yeah. And then I was asked to be a guest lecturer to the Melbourne Business School Executive MBA program. Mm-hmm. And I realised, and they wanted me to use the ANZ as a case study and other work I'd done. And I realised that, in fact, actually, I'd been to the University of Life for the last 35 years. Yeah, I call that mm-hmm. University of Hard Knocks, right? Yeah, and and, and it given me the equivalent of a degree and an MBA. And, um, and, and, and what I discovered, and I started owning my own power, I started owning um, that I was really good at designing and leading change, um, and, and I was gaining a really good reputation of making that happen change happen and making decisions and bringing everybody along with me. So at that stage, I um, decided that rather than just going for more executive positions, I'd see what came along and went out consulting. And then I was actually headhunted to be the chief information officer in a bank, um, which was a great role. And in fact, actually, I was getting into my late 50s by then and I thought oh this is felt a bit like Goldilocks and the, and the three bears because it was the perfect job um 
in a bank um, and wonderful. And then along came another bank and acquired that bank. So my um, my wonderful job went away. And then I was asked actually um, by another bank to do a, a, a merger um, between St George Bank in Australia and the Bank of um, South Australia and um, anyhow, big merger. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I pulled that off successfully and I was the executive and, um, you know, I was on the front page of the Bulletin magazine um, with a big sign across me saying Dragon Tamer because it was St George and the Dragon. So um, I guess, you know, in many ways um, I had reached a fairly high level in an executive career. My mum was in her 90s and um, I've told you about my executive life. My my personal life wasn't so good. I Just a brief one, you know, divorced by 26, met the love of my life, did a Brady Bunch. Um, he decided to go out to play. I couldn't handle that. So I lived on my own again, then met a guy who was lovely and we lived together, but he couldn't handle my teenage daughters, so he left. I remained friends with these guys, incidentally. Oh, and then um, I met the guy who I stayed with, but he ended up very, very sadly being um, a depressed alcoholic. I'll just go on with my story and we'll get to John, who was my last partner. I left St George and decided to look after, make sure I was a bit closer to mum, and I started just doing um, freelance change programs. I decided to um, see if we could do something that would get John engaged. So we bought 100 acres of land and planted a vineyard. And so I had 15 years of a corporate life of boards. I sat on around about 25 boards, focused mainly in governance, in technology. And you had 100 acres. And and having planted a vineyard and... um, so that that I love the story I mean, you about you you mowing it. Yeah, I'm really good on it. I've I've learned, you know, how to drive big tractors, little tractors, forklifts. Um, I had a twenty horsepower um, motor mower, or it was a tractor actually with a mower deck underneath, and I kept around about twenty five acres of that hundred acres all mowed and clean, and all the vines. Um, what my uh, listeners don't know is that you're about the size of a you know. <laughs> very very small lady. So to imagine her on her tractor mowing her her, vine, her vineyard or vineyard, excuse me, just makes me smile ear to yeah. ear. Just that's that's yeah, you. That's you. Yeah. <laughs> just um, grateful to the universe for that experience, um, Christy, the, um, of the vineyard and the connection with nature and the connection. Mm-hmm. You know, um, actually, we had a few cows and sheep and things, but. You know, I I realised, you know, for people on the land, I mean, we were fine. If if there wasn't rain, if there was drought, we didn't have enough hay, had money, could go out and buy hay, feed everybody, and everybody with all the animals were happy. I, I just imagined being in a drought and, and you can't go and buy hay and you watch your animals die. It really, you know, the nature's up close and personal in your face when you're living so close to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually another bit of a um, turning point was 
that that vineyard was actually we got burnt out in the 2009 fires in um, Victoria, um, which was so the house went it went through the vineyard remarkably because I kept everything clean under the vines. Um, all the vines went brown, but most of them survived, wow. um, which was. Um, but once again, you know, you the generosity of the people that came just from nowhere to help save the vineyard. About after the fires, about 100 people arrived at the property to take off the nets. They replaced nearly 16 kilometres of dripper hose. They got water back to the vines um, within about three days of the fires. It was just remarkable. And I, I sent... I, I talked to all of these people and they just said it, they felt so helpless with so many people having had such, you know, tragic. 173 people died in those 2009 fires. It was just awful. Um, yeah. We were just so lucky. We just lost a house. And, and, and I think there was another big lesson there for me that um, I've never really been huge on physical things, but you know, you realise that all of that can get burnt if everybody's still alive and you've still got your heart and your memories, um, then you're you're okay. You're okay. Yeah. All right, Chrissy, we need to take a quick break here. So we're just going to cut to break and we'll be right back with the amazing Chrissy Gillis. This is your host, Christy Bells. Many of the people you meet on my podcast have participated in my online curriculum called Uproot. This 15-week course takes you through my transformational process of understanding our roots, reviewing our path, and collecting the tools for life success. I would love to help you on your journey. Learn more about the Uproot course, take my quiz, and explore my transformational retreats at christybells.com backslash uproot. All right. Welcome back. Oh my gosh. You know, my book is Oh God of Second Chances here. And I share a lot of my stories in my book. And part of why I chose to want to do podcasting was I didn't want the storytelling to end. And that second chance opportunity, how many opportunities that Chrissy described in her lifetime of second chances where she restarted, where she got divorced. She was a single mom, where she took on a career that was new to many people in the time when we didn't know much about it. And then she worked her way up and through a system that was very clearly defined for men at the time um, as a solopreneur and then moving into big industries, et cetera. So um, the diagnosis of MS and then, you know, the fire, your, your entire vineyard burning down, Lots and lots of opportunities for second chances um, in your life, Chrissy. Actually, I think you're the master of second chances, Chrissy. <laughs> <laughs> we all have to master them. <laughs> we well, all have to your book, you're definitely the master of second chances. Well, I know how to get back up when I get knocked down, and I think you yeah. do too. So, yeah. yeah, just going back, Chrissy, to that time when you and I were sitting on the bench at the Acropolis and we were talking about aging and, you know, you being 80 and I was sharing with you, I have several women in my life who are 80 and I just feel like there's such wisdom to be able to garner 
Um, and so I wanted to have these conversations um, with you and with other women in my life. I call this segment Sage Wisdom. And I would love for you to share some nuggets of what you're aware of at your age, given your experiences and the times that you've fallen down and you got back up and you kept going um, and you made it in a really, really tough world out there. Yeah. Tell me, tell me what are some nuggets? Well, I think that's where do I start? Look, I think for so much of our lives, we've been defined by our title. Mm -hmm. And I think, and, and when that's gone, we're left with being ourselves mm-hmm. and, and and really being just who you are and being in, in the present. Um, I think, and I, I do say I, I've been involved in running an Emerging Women Leaders Program, um, which a colleague and I designed, which is very much, and um, Christy, you know, based on the same thing that you're talking about is the stories of women Mm-hmm. they can learn from but I think as a woman our lives are made up of many stages um and you can have a family and a career but not not all at the same time and 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 I think I really I would like to pass on to anyone I see women saying I'm in my 50s and it's sort of all over Red Rover and I'm thinking you know you've got 50s you've got 60s you've got 70s um, and now I've got 80s, and um, and in in for me, really, I think in the 70s, 60s, I was still doing the corporate and the vineyard. Um, in the 70s, I was transitioning to I think finding my what I call my new identity and and being who Chrissy Gillies is, and and not you know the CIO or something or the person who. Is on that board, um, and and now the eighties challenges. I'd say the first challenge is actually staying really connected, connected. Christy, as you put it, you've got friends in the younger generations, you've got friends in the older generations, and it's staying connected with all of these different aspects because all of those people are going through different aspects of their lives, and I can still learn so much from that particularly being connected to the next generations coming mm-hmm. through uh, and what 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 problems they're facing and and um, and what challenges and certainly I think having been in, born when I was born I've lived between you know at the end of one lot of world wars and and nothing we've been a chosen generation I believe um, the generation I'm in um, my next C would be around continuing to be curious mm-hmm. and really staying, just staying in touch with the rate of change in the world. Um, another big C is keeping capability, both mental and physical. Um, the physical one for me is a challenge and I've, I am going to start with a personal trainer again next year and I'm going to give him the challenge of um, getting me to a position where I can almost ski again. Probably not ski, but at least to to um to do it's that. When but, did you ski Clarep until last year, correct? Was that no, until before COVID was right my last COVID. Yeah. yeah. And then COVID and another hip replacement. Yeah. 
and the and, and the MS kicked in for a bit yeah. there. But and, and the only way I can conquer the MS is um, staying on, getting on physical walking machines and machines that make my legs go yeah. round. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and of course we were confined, didn't do that. Um, the other challenge I found in for for the eighties is. Um, the older you get, the harder it is to build. But you can, I believe, you can still build muscle even in your eighties. So um, I've read about yeah. that. Um, I think the next C, and probably the top of the the list, really, is having the courage, the courage to be in my eighties, um, to accept the fact I look in the mirror and go, "Oh, that face doesn't reflect this young person that's sitting in here. It's got." All over it, bugger. And the courage to ask for a wheelchair yeah. um, at, at the airport, um, and uh, which is um, great actually because I've discovered everybody wants to be my friend. Um, but the, um, we, go through, we go through all the queues. Um, but I think the courage to continue to travel the world on my mm-hmm. own. Um, because my partner is now, he died at the beginning of COVID, which was probably um, a blessing in disguise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, and I think, yeah, to continue, so I live with my dog now, and, and he's a delight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's bigger than you. <laughs> it cracks me up. <laughs> he gets me up every morning and we're at the park at 7 o'clock, which is really great. But also the courage to share my story and experience and really help grow what I call the next generation of women leaders. Yeah. And the final C is one that I would recommend every woman thinks about, and that's financial independence. Yeah, cash. Um, I am, the C is cash, and I am passionate about women having that financial independence. And in this Emerging Women Leaders Program, the number of women that have left that to their partner and then, you know, if something breaks up, I know a couple of, there's a few tragic stories there, but I think it's really important that women actually take charge of that. Mm-hmm. And I think, Christy, my goal is to build my world around growing the next generation mm-hmm. and having been involved in living in the present and, and understanding the problems and challenges of the future that, um, that our, our women Right. Particularly women are challenged facing. Yeah. Yeah. We need each other. You know, we know from the literature that women grow and develop with each other and with connection with each other. Yeah. And so to have women leaders, even though, you know, you're not still in the C-suite, you're not doing the things to be part of organizations like we're part of the International Women's Forum. Right. Yeah. Be a mentor, to be a resource for women that are coming. Right. Um, giving yes. up to those women and to support them in their experiences of what they're going through. And I love the Emerging Women's Program that you facilitate. I, we talked at length about that. I just think, you know, mm-hmm. the, power of the story is so important and that people get to reflect themselves in our stories, right? So sharing your story and having the courage to do that is so beautiful. And that's why I'm doing what I want to do today. And that's share these amazing women and these amazing stories um, with my audience, with the people that are following yeah. and wanting to to be a part of this. So I just want to yeah. cap those C's because I think they're so great. So the first one was facing the challenges. The second one was yeah. staying connected. Connected. 
Yeah. Curious. Curious, continuing to be curious, keeping capability. Yeah. Having the courage and having the cash. And having the cash. Who is it that says every um, every Virginia Woolf says every woman needs a room with a view and her own spending money? It's one of my favorite. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. So true. <laughs> I love it. Oh, it's wonderful. Christy. Oh my gosh, Christy, I can't thank you enough for being here, for sharing you with the audience that I have following us and to just have you in my life. It's just such a great joy. And I'm excited. I get to have dinner with you later this um, in the new year. And yes, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, we'll get to see each other in New York at the International Women's Forum event. And I am coming back to Australia. I'm surely coming back soon because I fell in love um, with your country over there. So I have to come back. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Christy. And I love what you're doing. I really do. I think it's great. I, um, and I'm looking forward to hearing the other podcasts. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> they're just as remarkable as you are. So, again, my thanks to you. Thanks for being here. And um, big, big love to you and your family. Happy holidays. And we'll talk soon. Thanks, Christy. Right, take care. Okay. Bye. It is the joy of my life to showcase the voices of people and the messy details of life's journey. As you have experienced, my guests are thriving with purpose and style, but that does not mean that their life is easy and without challenges. I've dedicated my life to you and your journey. Thank you for listening to Second Chances with Christy Bells. Please subscribe and learn more at christybells.com backslash second chances.